Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you that you have constructed an organization and a convention such as this. Father, forgive us because our physical bodies are quite tired, yet our spirits are very willing. Lord, we ask that you honor this inner intention of our hearts. We ask that your Holy Spirit may abide with us. Be with this poor vessel. Be with every person in this room. And cause us to have a sober perspective on these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You're gonna, uh, your requirements for this seminar is you're going to need a writing utensil, some notes, and a Bible. Okay. I present. I have this little uh, nifty PowerPoint thing for your for your uh, individual entertainment and to keep you awake. But I want you guys to be interactive at the same time. Okay. If you have any questions, by by uh, by all means, ask me afterwards. Don't ask me during, just because. I don't know, just don't, don't feel like answering questions in the middle of it. But at the end, you, you, you can, and we can jive. Um, okay, do you have your Bibles? Yes? Okay, if you don't have your Bibles, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. Just look off the person next to you. If you're dating, don't share Bibles, because that's just, that's not cool. And uh, if you have notes, have a Bible or a PDA, like this lady up here. Sister's all technologically all, all up to date here. Uh, and you can write notes down, okay? We're going to get started. Are you guys ready? All right. Outline and discipleship, we're going to go, uh, the, parts, the, the, the parts for the next three sections. A sower went out to forth sow, word of God. Uh, this is, we're going to do this now, by the wayside, on stony ground, among thorns, good ground. Okay, if you don't get that, it doesn't matter. Theme text, John 8.31, is I want us to memorize this. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 31. I know some of you are lazy, you don't want to open to it, but let's open it. You won't fall asleep if you do. You know, it's kind of hard to fall asleep and flip the Bible at the same time. So go to John chapter 8, verse 31, and this seminar, you're going to memorize one Bible verse. Amen? Amen. Okay, you're going to memorize a Bible verse. So if someone says, old Grandpa Joe says, hey, what? how did you enjoy GYC? You can say one thing. I memorized a Bible verse. And he's going to say, wow, I'll pay for you and your friend to go next year. And that's what it's Okay, John chapter 8, verse 31. We're not going to memorize the entire thing, just the second half. Okay? It reads, if you continue in my word, you finish it. Okay, the second half isn't up there. So if you're looking for it, it's not up there. If you continue in my word, what? Okay, that is the fundamental structure for this seminar. Okay, if you understand that verse, you're going to understand all of it and you can go home. You don't need to be here. Okay? This two-part uh, structure is, first clause is conditional, if, it's the requirement, it's contingent. Then you have the second part, then are ye my disciples indeed. Then is the absolute cause, or the repercussions, the resultant of the if clause. Okay? So, if you do the if, then the then. Yeah? If, then. Yes? Okay. Amen? Okay, good. I just want to make sure we're on the same page, and I'm here to make sure you don't fall asleep. If you do, I'll point you out. The conditional clause. Continue is to remain, stay, to kept enduringly, consistent, in, denoting a fixed location. My, referring to possessively to another individual. In this case, it is who? Jesus. And words, speech, teachings, doctrines, declarations, sayings. Okay? So if we're consistent within the doctrines and teachings of Jesus, what happens? We become disciples. Amen. The resultant clause. You. Second plural person reference, all of us, okay, are second person plural conjugation of to be, which is our GYC 2007 theme, okay. My, denoting possession, in this case it's referring to who? Jesus. And disciples, learners, people, students, 
And indeed, truly, in reality, most certainly, for sure, double absolution and promise. Okay? So, this is a promise of Jesus. If you stay in my word, you're going to be a disciple. Okay? Um, off the recordings, uh, off, the, off the record, literally, uh, next semester, not semester, uh, next quarter, the Sabbath School Quarterly is on the topic of, did you guys get them already at your churches? It's on discipleship. Okay? So this um, little uh, presentation will help you. Uh, all of you are going to be bona fide Sabbath School teachers now. Okay? On, on discipleship. Um, you are my disciples. There are some weird ideas out there on discipleship today. Especially in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Especially in Protestantism. Especially in Christianity. Okay? Uh, Jesus had blue jeans. So we got to wear blue jeans. Where did they get that? I have no idea where they got that. But anyway, we're going to look just from the Bible, what the Bible has to say about discipleship. Jesus, uh, Jesus, my words, will result in Jesus, my disciples. Okay? If you get the words, you become disciples. Is that clear? Is anyone confused? We can go through those slides one more time. Okay, you guys are clear. You're smart. Consistency in Jesus' words equals being disciples. Our state of being is dependent on our consistency and continuing in the Word. Okay? Now, some of you are already phasing out, and this is going to be made a little bit more clear, but the point of today's seminar is to see practical methods on how to not phase out of a Bible seminar. Haha, <laughs> okay. There is no such thing as a cultural Christian or a Christian who does not believe in the Word. Uh, Richard Dawkins, do you guys know who he is? He just came out with a book called God, not just, but maybe a couple years ago, uh, God Delusion. And he says, just came out in the BBC article, that I am a cultural Christian. I worship, uh, no, I keep Christmas, I sing all the um, uh, Christmas do, uh, jingles and stuff, and I, I go to church because I'm culturally a Christian, but I'm not a real Christian because God really doesn't exist. Okay. Now, the majority of the church is actually saying that. And if we don't say that, a lot of us are actually living that way. Amen? How many of you are cultural Adventists? Don't raise your hand. Please, don't. don't. Okay. okay, so we're going to look at how, if, you, if you're in the Word of God, that's how you're a real Christian. We're not talking about cultural Christianity. Okay, John 15, 4 through 10. Um, Abide in me, and I, you guys know this very, very well. I just highlighted the one word that's, uh, that's appearing over and over again. Abide in me, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. If a man abide not in me, verse 6, verse 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, verse 7, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my... Very good. Verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. In the Greek, that word for, for continue and the word for abide is the same word. And verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So the, my, the, 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 the Bible verse that we memorize, if you continue in my word, that word for continue is the same word as abide. Continue, abide. Just stay, be consistent in the word of God. You're my disciples. Simple as that. Amen? Simple as that. But today we're living in a world where they're trying to confuse that. Acts 6, 7. If the word of God increases, number of disciples multiplies in Jerusalem greatly. I just read that in a weird way. Uh, 
And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. If the word of God goes up, and that's my pathetic up sign, then the disciples also go up. Okay? Purpose. This study will look at the parable of the sower in order to see what practical things can be done to keep continuing the word and become a disciple of Christ. This is not a sermon here. Amen? This is, you will not get a presentation. This is just a practical presentation, a seminar. It's for your notes. Okay? You're supposed to be here together. And if you get it, say amen. If you don't get it, raise your hand. You know, this is a, a kind of an interactive experience here we have. Okay? So this is the, the study today. The parable of the sower has four types of ground that will warn as well as teach us how to keep the word of God in us. And I know a lot of you already know what the parable of the sower is. But we're going to take a little in-depth, closer look at this. And I think you will be rewarded by the Holy Spirit. The parable of the sower is found in three of the, uh, the Gospels. There's four. John doesn't mention it. The fact that all three, Matthew, Mark, and John, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke mention it is of some importance. It's in chapter 13 of Matthew, chapter 4 of Mark, chapter 8 of Luke. First part, the sower. We're going to ju- ju- just dive right in. Matthew 13, verse 3b says, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Now here's the thing. With Scripture, every word is inspired by the, by, by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Every word. Every word. So the first word, behold. Whenever the, whenever the Bible says behold, what should you do? Behold. <laughs> in my imagination, the word for behold, you see, in, in, the, in, the, Old, in the Old Testament, the, the, uh, the manuscripts, there were no punctuation marks. There was nothing. It was just letter, 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 letter. No spaces. Just letter, 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 letter. We live in a day today where everything is is shaped in icons and imagery. How many have I am? Okay. For those of you who don't have I am, how can you live without I am? <laughs> don't understand it. When you're communicating with someone and you want to express such utter joy or utter disgust, what do you put after your comment? I'm sorry? An exclamation. Okay, an exclamation, suffi- exclamation suffices if you're from the 80s. But if you're from the 90s and from 2000, what you do is there's this thing called an emoji icon, emoticon. And AOL is known for these uh, smiley faces, yeah? Okay? So if you say, hey, exclamation mark, it could mean, hi, I'm excited to see you, or hey, you, I'm angry to see you, or hey, I'm apathetic, but I don't want to seem apathetic, so I put an exclamation mark afterwards. <laughs> but if you put hey with a smiley face, it's a warm hey. hey. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. Now in Scripture, same thing. When the Bible writers are around here like, you know what, this is of utter importance I want the reader to look at this. So they use one word. That word is hine in Hebrew, which means behold. Look at this. It's important. So whenever you read behold in scripture, imagine a, a emote icon with like the eyes really big and then the mouth is like a huge circle. Like, you know, like read this. Just, just read it that way. Okay? Matthew 13, verse 3. Behold... A sower went forth to sow. Mark says something similar, but it says what? Mark says what? Hearken. So it's like a double emoji icon. Okay? Hearken, and then what? Behold. This is super important. There went out a sower to sow. Luke. Luke is, Luke is a doctor. 
he's kind of emotionless. He just says, a sower went out to sow his seed. Okay. Matthew 13, verse 37 says, He that soweth the good seed is who? Okay. Scripture interprets Scripture. The person who's sowing is who? It's Jesus Christ himself. Okay. The seed. Matthew, uh, Mark 4, 14, The sower soweth the word. Luke 8, 11, Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Okay. There are some weird interpretations out there. There are people who say the, word, the seed is... I won't say what it is, but it's the word of God. Okay, The Bible is clear on that. John 6, verse 63... It is the spirit that quickeneth. Quickening means that's resurrects, gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Okay? So I want us to understand, I think fundamental to GYC in its philosophy is our interpretation of scripture is this is the word of God. No holds barred, unadulterated word of God. Amen? Is that clear? We've come to experience that. There are many people in Christianity today that is trying to deny that aspect. Um, we believe especially that the Word of God is, especially as Adventists, it's, it's life. Why? Because God creates with His words, and we worship on the day where God actually takes a pause and doesn't say anything. And that's what's profound is, even when God doesn't say anything and doesn't create, He's still creating. And it's the Sabbath. So by default, he's still creating when he's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> John five twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that hears my word, believes on him that sent me, has everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. Okay? Character of God. In every command and in every promise of the word of God is the power and the very life of God himself by which the commandment may be fulfilled and the promise realized, he who by faith receives the word is receiving the very life and character of God. This is something we embrace, yes? These words are pure energy. Uh, I'm from a science background, and when you go to physics, they study, you know, what are atoms made out of? They're made of quarks. What are quarks made out of? Some, some are particles. What are they made out of? All these, these little squiggly lines and called string theory. And what is that made out of? We don't know. And I'm thinking, it's God's word. Now, I'm not saying it's like, you know, when you actually do a microscope, you see like, uh, in the beginning was, you know, you just see, I'm not saying that, but the actual essence of all reality is the Word of God. Amen. Is that clear? We believe that wholeheartedly. By default, God cannot lie. Amen? Sister can come up here and says, you know what, that's a beautiful suit you have on. And she'd be lying out of her teeth. But if Jesus said that, this thing would have been transformed into a Giorgio Armani student. Just, Jesus cannot lie because by his pure mouth, he creates everything with his mouth. Yes? Is that clear? The humorous analogy that I use, and some of you already heard this, is when I was little, my parents taught me how to lie. Dinner time, we eat. Phone rings, my parents don't want to pick it up, so they say, Justin, go pick it up. I pick it up, and it's someone from church. Isn't it always when an annoying church member calls you during dinner time? So my mom and dad's like, They're waving their arms. We're not here. Tell them we went somewhere else. And I'm thinking, you're telling me how to lie. <laughs> so I tell them, uh, they're not here right now. And then da-da-da-da-da. Okay? This has happened to you, yes? If this happened to Jesus, and I'm not saying it did happen to Jesus. Hypothetically, comically speaking as an illustration, if it happened to Jesus. Jesus is sitting at dinner and a cowbell rings and he goes over and, 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 he, and he's like, hello, who is, is Joseph or Mary there? And he looks over and Joseph and Mary are like, no, we're not here. If he said, 
they art not heareth now, or whatever they say, whatever he says. If Jesus lied, if, if Joseph and Mary would not be there, poof, they would been gone. Because by his pure essence, he creates all reality. Is that clear? Okay. Every seed brings forth fruit after its kind, sow the seed under right conditions, and it will develop its own life in the plant. Receive into the soul by faith the incorruptible seed of the word, and it will bring forth a character and a life after the similitude of the character and the life of God. Here's the point. When this word gets into us, we are now recreated into the very image and character of God. Now, before I was converted, that was sounded eloquent and it had no meaning for me. But when I read this quote, it actually meant a lot. This is all time my favorite quote of all history. What is it, everyone? It's my favorite quote of all history. Okay, I don't. I haven't read everything of all history, so I don't know yet. But okay, Jesus was a perfect pattern of what we should be. He was the strictest observer of his father's law, yet he moved in perfect freedom. He had a fervor of enthusiast, yet he was calm, sober, and self-possessed. He was elevated above, above the common affairs of the world, yet he did not exclude himself from society. He dined with publicans, that's, that's tax lawyers, and sinners, played with little children, and took them into his arms and blessed them. He graced the wedding feast with his presence. He shed tears at the grave of Lazarus. He was a lover of the beautiful in nature and used the lilies to illustrate the value of natural simplicity in the sight of God above artificial display. He used the occupation of the husbandman to illustrate the most sublime truths. His zeal never degenerated into passion, nor his consistency into selfish obstinacy. His benevolence never savored of weakness, nor his sympathy of sentimentalism. He combined the innocence and simplicity of a child with manly strength, all absorbing devotion to God, the tender love for man. Is this an awesome quote? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just getting enthralled in this. He possessed commanding dignity combined with the winning grace of humility. He manifested unyielding firmness with gentleness. May we live daily in close connection with this perfect, faultless character. We have not six patterns to follow, nor five. We only have one, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's found in In Heavenly Places, page 54. Isn't that an awesome quote? Like this, I don't know, ladies, you, you have to fall in love with a man like this. Gentlemen, you want to be manly, you know, like unyielding dignity and all this wonderful. Anyway, that's the character of God. I believe that's the character of God. Character of Wycliffe. I saw this um, on a Zanga page somewhere. I forgot where. Uh, I thought it was so awesome. I just stole it. Um, Great Controversy, page 94. The character of Wycliffe is a testimony to the educating, transforming power of the Holy Scriptures. It was the Bible that made him what he was. Huh. Pretty profound. By the wayside, let's go back to Scripture. Matthew 13, verse 4. Scripture says, When he sowed, that's the sower, that's Jesus Christ. When Jesus sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Marks, Mark 4, 4. And all these guys have like a couple of four. It came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Luke, same thing. As he sowed, some fell down the, by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Now, scholars, what is the difference between the three? Trodden. Very good, Sebastian. Uh, interpretation from the Scripture. It says, verse 19 of Matthew, When anyone hears the word of uh, the, the kingdom and understands it not, 
Then it then comes the wicked one, catches away that which was sown in his heart. Mark. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Luke 8.12 Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and take away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, be, uh, lest they should believe and be saved. Each of these four have four couplets. Let's look at this. Sow the word means you're hearing the word of God. It is straight from scripture. Fell by the wayside, did not understand it. Fowls came, Satan comes. Fowls devoured the seed, Satan takes away the word. Is that clear? Yeah. This should not be anything new to you. But Luke adds something interesting. Verse 8, verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5, trodden down. You see, if you do an interesting word study on wayside, there is seed that's sprayed. The way means the main road. And interesting, that, that way is the same way that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Yeah, you know that verse? It's the same way. But if it's the wayside, meaning it's, it's here, but it's right next to where it should be. Yeah? It's just kind of, so it's there, but not really there. Luke 8, 5, it's saying the word was neglected, cast aside. So you're getting the word, but it's not, you're not understanding, it's just on a superficial level, you're not really getting it. I believe the majority of us Christians are at this level. Look a little deeper. The seed sown by the wayside represents the word of God as it falls upon the heart of an inattentive hearer. This is a preacher's nightmare. When I first preached, I was a youth pastor and there was about 100 kids, and there was someone who fell asleep in my sermon. Now, I was of a, of a carnal nature, you know, immature pastor, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness! How dare you fall asleep in my sermon? And I was so offended. And now, you know, after many years, I figure I'm just a boring preacher. People fall asleep in all my sermons all the time. Okay? Inattention to the Word of God is a huge disease, friends. Why is it in North America, when Scripture is read, there is no respect for Scripture anymore? I went to, I went to where did I go? Uh, I went to, where did I go? Where, okay, Iceland, I went to Iceland. Scripture reading comes out. Is anyone from Iceland? Yeah, sister, I, I see you. I went to Iceland. Scripture reading comes out. You know what people do? <laughs> Chairs are moving. I'm like, what's going on? Earthquake time, you know what's going on? People stand up. And here I am, I'm looking around, and guess what? The only ones sitting down us are the Americans. Hey, let's, let's stand up. Okay. <laughs> we stood up. And they bow to show respect to the Word of God. Huh. Why is it during Scripture reading, during, during, during Sabbath, divine service, Scripture reading is going on, and, and uh, you always have those people who read Scripture and they're like, and uh, 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 how do you say, uh, uh, and, and, and beget, uh, uh, I'm so sorry. They just tumble, stumble over word, the Word of God. They have a whole week to practice as one verse. <laughs> And they come late on Sabbath morning. What's the Bible verse? Oh, it is? Okay. Run up there and like... And then it's like 1 Corinthians. They read from 2 Corinthians. And they still mess up. Okay. This book has lost respect over the years. It really has. Men hear the Word of God, but they understand it not. How many of you have read Scripture in your devotions and you don't understand it? You're this kind of uh, soil. 
We're talking about you here. Good thing that you're here. <laughs> they do not discern that it applies to themselves. How many of you read scripture? How many of you read devotional books and you do not apply it to yourselves? Now, I'm, a, I'm an Asian. I'm, a, like, I'm an informational geek. Like, what can I learn from this you know, kind of person? Okay. I love to learn things. I really do. I love the prophecies. Yes? How many of you know the 490, the 2000? You should know all that, like the back of your hand. You should know that. But how many times do we apply it to ourselves? You know how, I, how the prophecies got to me? Okay, Jesus came out right at the right time, da 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 da. I realize Jesus is never late. He comes on time, amen? How do I apply that to myself? Well, you know what? I want to be like Jesus. I want to be on time. Because if I'm late, it reflects my Creator, my Lord. And He was not late at all. He came, He was baptized exactly on 27. And then at 33, he stood up in the... You guys know all this. If you don't know, then go ask someone. Okay. He was on time on all these things. We need to apply everything. This morning, how many of you heard Pastor Conway's message? How many of you have loved it? Awesome message this morning. Awesome. How many of you heard Andrew's message this afternoon? Man, that's awesome. We need more women preachers out there. Yeah? Now, we need to sit down and apply it. It hurts. And I see people rush out and they're like, I gotta get lunch. <laughs> they're applying their stomachs more than applying their, their spiritual lives to themselves. Anyway, they do not discern that it applies to themselves, they do not realize their need or their danger. They do not perceive the love of Christ. They pass by the message of His grace as something that does not concern them. And again, this whole, the next three seminars, we're just doing an in depth study on Christ the Object Lessons, page 44. Get the book, it's an awesome book. Practical. She's saying, inattentive hearers. People have no understanding. This is the, this is the, the, uh, the wayside people. Okay? Inattentive hearers, no understanding, no application to self, unrealized need, blind to the love and grace of Christ. And what we need to do is, and I'm, you know, I'm a practical guy. I love verbs. I hate adjectives. Adjectives make life annoying. Uh, verbs are awesome. <laughs> Hear, understand, apply, and realize. Amen? I think there's one more. Or experience. And I tried to make a little acronym, but it was like, who are a? And it's not so cool. Okay? Okay, I didn't put this up on the, 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 the thingy, but go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And this is uh, the formula on how to start a revival in your life. It is through, through the, the, the Word of God. But here we see something totally crazy going on. Chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse 1. If you're there, please say amen. You there? Okay, good. Verse 1. All the people gathered themselves together as one man unto the street that was before the water gate. And they spake to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Verse 2. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, that all could hear with what? With understanding. We lack understanding today, friends. How many of you do your devotions? Raise your hands. Now, how many do your devotions legalistically? Raise your hands high. Okay. <laughs> I, wasn't, I was being sarcastic, but praise the Lord. <laughs> when I used to do my devotions, I was like, I'm going to read a chapter a day. How many of you have done that? And I don't care whether I understand it or not, but when I finish that chapter, I just feel so good. 
and I can go throughout the day. And I hated First Chronicles. How many read the chapters of First Chronicles? Mercy. Mercy. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Mercy. Then I went to like, hey, I'm going to read some Spirit of Prophecy books. I'm going to read a chapter a day. Have you read those books? Those chapters are like 50 pages long. In like font 8. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this. We should be striving for understanding, not for completion. God will help us with completion. Verse 2. All that could hear with understanding. Verse 3. He read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning until midday. Scholars say that's from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. Can you imagine standing and having a Bible study for three hours? Verse, uh, where are we? Oh, verse 3. Before the men and women and those that could understand. Again, understand comes up again. Go to verse 5. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people, what? Stood up. Verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord and great, uh, the great God. All the people answered saying, Amen, Amen, and lifted up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshipped the, ground, the Lord to their faces to the ground. Verse 7, you have all those names. Uh, they, they caused people to what? Understand the law. And the people stood in their place. Verse 8, they read, in the, they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to what? Understand the meat. Understand, understand, understand. The secret to revival is just understanding the Word of God. Amen? Not a cerebral memorization. No, I'm not debunking memorization. You should memorize the Bible. Yes? Memorize your Bibles. Memory verse. Amen. But we need to understand what we're memorizing. So number one, hear. Number two, understand. Number three, apply. Once you understand it, apply yourselves. Do not apply to someone else. That's not your job. There's some people who think they're like, you know, incarnations of the Holy Spirit. Don't do that. Apply it to yourself and then realize the love of God and experience it. Okay? Satan's tactics. This is Christ Objects, page 44. This is how Satan takes away our attention. So, uh, when Christ is drawing the soul by his love, Satan tries to turn away the attention of the one who is moved to seek the Savior. He engages the mind with worldly schemes. He excites criticism or insinuates doubt and unbelief. The speaker's choice of language or his manner may not please the hearers, and they dwell upon these defects. Thus, the truth they need, and which God has graciously sent them, makes no lasting impression. How many have been to a boring preacher? I'm like, yeah, I'm the one right now. <laughs> uh, how many of you are so fixed on the way he says something, or the way he, the, that ugly pink tie that he's wearing, you just can't get beyond that? Okay? Satan causes our attention to be, to be just Get away from the Word of God and get fixed on anything else out there. The crying baby. The potluck that smells like last year's, you know, whatever it is. Okay? Just take your attention anywhere off the water, or the Word of God. That's what Satan's trying to do. He turns away the attention. He engages the mind with the world. Excites criticism, judgment. That's different from discernment. Okay, guys? If you see a drunk person there, beware. You, God has given you the gift of discernment. There's some people that say, well, I don't want to judge him. <laughs> I, don't want, I, I should go and be his friend. No, you have discernment. Don't, don't hang out with him. Okay? Wait till he's sobered up. Discernment and judgment is very different. Insinuates doubt and unbelief. Makes us to dwell upon defects. Let's go back. Turns away our attention. I believe today, friends, um, there are, there are the next generation of preachers. We're getting more and more hyperactive, ADD. You know, you know who I'm talking about. There's some, some of us here. We have to be that way. Why? We are competing with what? 
YouTube. <laughs> they used to say in the 80s, they used to say in the 80s, if you do not grab the attention of an audience within the first 30 seconds, you've lost them. Have you heard that? It's not true. Because in, in the, you know, in 2005, they did a study that they revised that. If you don't grab the attention within the first three seconds, you've lost them. How did we get from 30 seconds to three seconds? Crazy. And so there's this quote in Great Controversy. It says that at the end of time, we're going to have to, extra, to put an extraordinary effort to capture the attention of God's people. TV's gotten us so ADD. YouTube, iPhone, darn Apple, <laughs> all these things. You understand what I'm talking about? So that our young people who are into this kind of media, if we go to an old-fashioned, from the 1940s pastor, and we listen to one of his sermons, mercy, we want to kill ourselves. <laughs> we do. Why? But when we want to go to a presentation, I want to hear the Word of God. That's all I'm here for. Forget what He looks like. Forget what His voice is like. Forget what I'm here for the Word of God. Give me the Word of God. That should be our focus. Yes? Let's keep going. By the wayside. Wayside. On the track, but not on the track. This describes people who are next to the... They're like on the way, but not next to the way, if you understand what I'm saying. They're in the church, but they're not in the church. They're doing devotions, but they're not doing devotions. They're reading the Word of God, but they're not reading the Word of God. They're praying, but they're not praying. They're reaching out, but they're not reaching out. Do you understand what I'm saying by this? Okay, like he's contradicting himself, a paradox. See? Already your attention is being off somewhere. The focus is, sometimes we go through the motions and we satisfy ourselves thinking, hey, I'm doing everything that Christianity is supposed to do, but we're not doing what the, the main essence of Christianity is. And what's that? It's seeking the Word of God unadulterated. So when we come to GYC, we sit up straight. Amen? And if us Asians, if we're falling asleep, we prop our eyes open. Okay. And we see, we're not here for the food. Amen? We're not here for the food. The food here is not so great. We're not here to find our future spouse. Every time someone walks through those doors, everyone turns around to who came in. It's not your future spouse who's going to walk through those doors. The Lord will take care of that. Amen? The Lord will take care of your food. Amen? We're here for the Word of God. We're not here to be entertained either. Amen? Straight Word of God. If you're, if you're ADD, spiritually ADD, you are the wayside ground. Education, page 260. This is my all-time favorite quote, and I keep saying that because, yeah, we'll, we'll take, take it or leave it. Education. By the way, all young people, you need to read book education. It's not about education. Ironically. <laughs> I never read that book because I thought it was about education. When I read it, it's about life. It's about life. Anyway. It says, Many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are too great haste. You guys know what I'm talking about? How many of your students? How many of your class, a class at 8 o'clock? I wake up at 7 and I can't do my devotions because I'm like, i got to go to class at 8. 8, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Students are that way, and the second class of people are their mothers. 
You ever see a mother do devotions? She can't because her baby's screaming his head off. Mother can't concentrate. Mother's got to be, Lord, take care of my baby. I want to have devotions with you. Obviously, if the kid's like dying, it's, you, know, you know what I'm saying, I'm saying. Our focus needs to be singular. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. So with their burdens, they return back to their work. Continues. They must give themselves time to, number one, think. Number two, pray. Number three, to wait. I put the numbers in there, okay? (laughs) To wait upon God for renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. They need the uplifting influence of His Spirit. Receiving this, they will be quickened by fresh life. The weird frame and the tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not for a pause, not a pause for a moment in His presence, but personal contact with Christ. To sit down in companionship with Him, this is our need. Amen? So students, are you stressed out? You don't need a massage. You need Jesus. Parents, are you stressed out? You don't need a vacation. You need Jesus. Ladies, are you stressed out? You don't need a man. You need Jesus. Gentlemen, are you bored? You don't need a TV. You need Jesus. Amen? And when we do our devotions, I, I encourage you, do not read a chapter a day. Now, if that's your thing and you're getting something out of it, praise the Lord. But it's better being a, a master of one than being a student of 900. Okay? Say, Lord, I want to study this passage out, and I want to understand it. Your Holy Spirit will... You, you promise your Holy Spirit will teach me it. I want to understand it. And you pray there, and you don't get off your needs until you understand it. Even if you're late for class, you stay there, and you wait for God to talk to you. The great preachers of all time, if you ask them, hey, what, what, was the, what was the experience that you had that caused you to do what you did? They all say the same thing. There are hundreds of, of, of years apart, but they all say the same thing. They said this, One morning, and there's something holy about the morning. One morning, I opened the Word of God. And I waited for God, and He spoke to me. And Charles Wesley, uh, Finn, Finn, not Finley, (laughs) that's the guy who's here, Uh, Charles Finney, uh, all you know, all these 18, 1700 dudes that I don't know right now, but they all had the same experience. And today, we need to have that experience every morning. How much more powerful Christians can we be? Yeah? A lack of attention, understanding, focus can result in the word being placed in the wayside. The character of God is reproduced limitedly as a result. Okay? So the final objective here is to have the character of God in us. But because we're so ADD, we don't get it. A right devotion life is the key to get back off the wayside and on the good ground. Tomorrow, uh, we cover the devotions. Tomorrow, we're going to call it On Stony Ground. Topics on worship, the process of depth, how to become a profound, deeper Christian. And the last presentation is Among Thorns, Subversion, Process of Rebellion, How to Go Against the System. All of you are young people here. All of you have are either going through puberty or have passed through puberty. The Lord needs pubescent adolescents. He does. He needs people who want to go against the grain and just go against the system. Okay? That system is not the United States government. That system is not the church. Okay? That system is the world. Amen? Amen. And we're going to discover what that, what that actually means. But I want to encourage you guys, uh, let's embrace this. 
Let's embrace this. The Word of God is the one thing that defines us as Christians in the last days. And uh, I know you guys are tired. God bless you for, for listening thus far. If you have any questions, come out to me afterwards. But uh, hopefully you'll come here tomorrow. We're going to go through presses, a lot of stuff really quickly. And uh, until then, God bless you. That's a word, a word of prayer. And I'll, I'll send you off with a blessing. And we'll meet tomorrow morning. Okay? It's a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask forgiveness for our, our attention def- deficient brains, Lord. Lord, we ask for that rest that the Sabbath promises. May that rest permeate our minds, our souls, our hearts. That we may be focused Christians, Lord. That we may be Christians who really love your words. Who are addicted to them. So, Father, if we are on stony ground, if we are on th- in, among thorns, and if we are on the wayside, we ask, pick us up and place us on the right ground. And spread us with a lot of seeds, Lord. We need the Word of God. Bless this group here. Bless their hearts for, for surviving thus far. Grant them energy for the rest of this day. And Father, as we reflect upon this day, may we have nothing but praise for you from our lips. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation, or if you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. You can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com.